Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives about what's going on at their companies. With us today, happy to have him for the first time ever, Matt Hawkins, chairman of Harborside, trades on the CSC under the stock symbol HBOR, and for our friends in the US, HBORF. For those of you new to the story, and that's going to be a lot of you, I think, because even though Harborside's been public for you know a little less than two years, they did go through some changes last year uh, before they started with us, so they're kind of quiet. What you need to know is this. They're a California-based, vertically integrated, fully licensed cannabis company. They've got three primary segments. they got retail, wholesale, and cultivation. They're founded in 2006, which makes them one of the oldest, most respected cannabis retailers in California. Uh, in fact, they had one of the first, one of the first six medical cannabis licenses in all of America. Over $400 million in cumulative sales. So they're executing. And right now, they've got about 3% of California's entire retail market. This year, for the first three quarters, revenue over $50 million, $50 million plus. Gross profit, $24 million plus. EBITDA, $51.5 million. And they're expecting more. Here to talk about that is Matt. Welcome to the show. Thanks, George. I should bring you along with me. You do a great job of uh, talking us up. <laughs> well, you make it easy, right? The facts speak for themselves. I'm not, I'm not spinning there, that's for sure. Uh, let's talk about the company. Uh, I want to do a deeper dive into some of the numbers and all that. But the first thing I want to ask is, how unique is it that you're fully vertically integrated, that you've got the cultivation, the retail, the wholesale, and why does that make you stronger than most of your peers? Great, great question. Um, the reality is, is that one of the things that was lacking before, you know, we came in and took over the board in November as one of the larger investors uh, uh, in the company was uh, we weren't paying enough attention to the asset that we had in Salinas, which is the farm. And we can make our own products from what we have in Salinas and generate 80, sometimes 90 percent gross margin on that. Um, in addition to that, we can wholesale the heck out of that across the state. Um, cultivation, especially, you know, outdoor greenhouse um, uh, growing is, is, is not as prevalent as one might think, especially where we are up in the, um, you know, the, the golden triangle, so to speak, of, of cultivation in California and uh, in Salinas. So we're using that as a, not only an asset internally, but an asset externally to grow our wholesale business. Yeah. And that's a massive advantage because you get to control your supply, control your cost, but you've already got distribution channels in place because you, you had one of the first licenses uh, and one of the, one of the oldest retailers. So I thought that was genius. Let's talk about the financial performance of the company. So um, both revenue and EBITDA, what I'm noticing is this, the retail side is bigger but the wholesale side is catching up. So what can you tell us about each of those sides of the business? Because you're putting up unbelievable numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we will in 2020, I think it's gonna be somewhere around, you know, 63 million or so, you know, 10% EBITDA uh, and growing, you know, we've been, um, you know, break even the cash flow positive for a while now. We've got plenty of cash on the balance sheets. We just announced a, um, a pipe that we're closing on. Uh, we've got equity in the farm. We, we have the ability to do a lot with what we have um, on our balance sheet. And to your point, I mean, the retailing that we've done, especially from our flagship location in Oakland, which is one of the oldest dispensaries 
in California is um, has a very very solid uh, base, and you know another uh, you know four uh, uh, four retail out, uh, operations in the state. Um, we're probably going to get rid of the one we have in Oregon, um, but you know we're looking to grow through um, selective and accretive M and A to become one of the largest single state uh, operators in in California, and with that our wholesale operation will dramatically grow simply because we're gonna be fulfilling the needs, of the product needs of, of, the, of, the, of the stores that we end up acquiring. And then in addition, we've got the opportunity to fulfill you know, some of our friendly competitors' uh, wholesale needs as well. Q3 seemed to put in some really good performance. I mean, you guys have always had steady great numbers, but I saw a big jump there in Q3, both on uh, right across the board, uh, revenue, gross, profit, EBITDA, what was it about Q3 that suddenly started supercharging the business? Yeah, I think that we've done a lot of work in the past year and a half to kind of clean up some of the, the sins of the past, so to speak. We've got, you know, a professional operating team in place where we've just launched a um, search for a world-class CEO that, that we engage Hydrogen Struggles to do for us. Um, and that person is going to be need to have multi-channel um, talents to, to, to succeed with us. And so that's a real important aspect of our business. It's like you mentioned earlier, not, there's not many companies in California that are as vertically integrated as we are. And, um, and that's a benefit. And uh, I think the third quarter just showed the fact that in addition to the boost that the industry was getting just through the, um, through the pandemic and quite frankly, a, you know, a tamping down of the illicit market um, where you know everybody everybody was doing better because people were just tired of buying stuff from uh, unsafe means. I mean, we were one of the first in California yeah. to offer curbside pickup, uh, safe dispensaries with social distancing, uh, and delivery. And so that that continued, and we expect that to continue um, going forward with the lessons we've learned during twenty twenty one. Looking forward, uh, full year twenty twenty. You expect about sixty three million. 2021 on the top side, you're expecting 72 million. So that's a nice revenue jump. But what it caught my eye was the fact that this year's EBITDA, you're expecting to come in between eight and 10%, but next year, 15 to 17%. Uh, that's Matt, that's, that's great margin growth there, bottom line growth. Is that just coming from efficiencies? Is that coming from a different product mix in terms of how you're achieving your revenues? Where, where does that come from? Yeah, it, it's going to come fantastic from... Number. Yeah, I mean, efficiencies operationally for sure, but more importantly, I think um, it's it's utilizing our wholesale capabilities that we have. I mentioned earlier that our margins from our own brands like Key and Harborside Farms and even the clones were growing at the, um, at the dispensary. Um, you know, we've got 160,000 square feet of canopy out there. So we've got the opportunity to grow a tremendous amount of product um, and we can use that raw material for ourselves, but also to, like I mentioned, fulfill the needs of others. And um, your margins on that is, are a lot better than selling other people's products in your dispensary, which we'll continue to do because we have to, and we understand it's part sure. of business, but um, having your own line of product is, is, is tantamount to success in this. The thesis at Agoracom is that, and it's been this for the last six months and we're starting to see it happen is that the cannabis complex, the entire co complex was going to begin its next bull phase uh, and longest akin to what we saw 
in Web 2.0 when everyone th went through the moratorium after getting blown away, blown, uh, blown away and blown up by the dot-com crash, swore off internet stocks until they realized they were here to stay. They just, they just had to buy better quality companies. Uh, how do you guys feel? I know you can't give me projections going, not on this interview anyways, for 2022 and so on and so forth. But you know, how do you, how are you guys in planning your business? How do you see the cannabis industry evolving? And I guess primarily for California, because you're a single state, sure. how do you, how, how, how much growth do you see coming out of the entire industry of the next five years? Is this a five, 10 year growth cycle? How do you guys look at it? Well, I'll, I'll give you the example that we use at our, at my day job, which is the founder managing partner of Entourage Effect Capital, which was the entity that has made investments in Harborside since 2014. Um, we've made 66 investments to date, uh, all throughout the legalized landscape of the United States. We do have a pretty solid footprint in California, but the whole thesis, just like it is at Harborside, is to build scale in advance of legalization. Legalization is on its way. Um, it could happen in you know two to three years, could happen even sooner, could happen four years, but it's it's going to be um, you know within within eyesight of, of of investors coming into not only you know, our family of investment vehicles, but also in the Harborside directly. Um, and because of that, once institutional capital comes into the game or once institutional capital provides the, 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 the growth engine and capital that some of the large MSOs need, that's gonna trickle down to the single state operators. And California is the, I mean, let's face it, being an operator in both Northern and Southern California is like being a multi-state operator. And so California yep, is yep, the- that's true. I mean, California is the is the bell cow. It's a arguably an eight to ten billion dollar marketplace, um, and that's without converting more of the illicit market that still exists. So, as this thing matures, as more capital comes in, as the the illicit market continues to get tamped down, we see growth that's going to be it's off the charts. And it may be a situation where exits are built in for investors simply because there's capital becomes a commodity at that point when institutional capital is involved. Do you see it be going, do you see it going through the, the same long-term growth phase that web 2.0 went through when, you know, dogfood.com and van.com or whatever they're called back then, those things died because they're just dot-coms, but along came LinkedIn, uh, Google, and those kind of Yeah, I, I just, George, I don't ever use the example. I mean, the, 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 the web and .com 1.0 and 2.0 is kind of where I stopped with the comparisons. Because the reality is that this is a real product that generates real revenue and real earnings right. and has from day one. And so, the, but when you get more efficiencies attached to that, i.e. less taxes, i.e. more you know, ability to, you know, cross state lines, ultimately, um, national advertising campaigns, all that stuff that doesn't exist right now, you're just going to make more money because this is an industry that is, that is growing by leaps and bounds. And it's really more of a conversion of a market, not a creation of one. This stuff's been around for generations and everybody just wants to ignore it. But the reality is, is now we're able to tax and regulate it in the legalized states. And it's the you know, it, it's it, it's going to be just like alcohol and tobacco, if not larger. Is legalization, your thesis on legalization, helped by the election of the Biden administration? Or do you think it would have been inevitable under under uh, either Republican or Democrat? Yeah, I, I, I think it, it was going to be inevitable, um, but certainly having an administ uh, Democratic administration and a, and a Democratic legislative body 
uh, helps matters for the industry. Um, it's just getting more attention than it did in the previous administration. The, the reality is this, George, is that every single state where it's been legalized cannot get off of this. It is the, the tax revenue is so substantial that they can't lose it at this point. And the federal government's getting their share regardless through 280E and, and everything else. And they may as well just make it more friendly and palatable to the industry to where we can convert more of that market to make it even more commonsensical to, uh, at the end of the day. The M&A &A side of your business, because um, uh, we're still in the early part of this, of, of this growth phase, are there great opportunities on, on the street where you guys can still walk in and, and buy things at really at, at cheap value? I don't want to say cheap, but really nice valuations that, uh, that you guys can help turn around given, your, given the fact you're vertically integrated and the expertise you bring to the table? There's no doubt about it. Um, when we assembled this board to come in and, um, you know, and, and do the takeover that we did back in November, we made it very clear. We had three three things we were going to do right away. One, we were going to go out and hire a, a, a you know a world class CEO, and that search is underway. We're going to be public about the fact that we're going to settle on our 280E issues with the IRS. And three, we're going to go through transformative M and A um, with uh, other companies in California to become the preeminent single state operator. And the announcement of our pipe that we're closing next week just is that first step in order of making those things happen. And, and we're well down the road with, with, with several companies right now that where, where the operators have removed their egos because they understand that the only way to get to that next level where they're attractive to large scale MSOs or um, other, other uh, financial uh, uh, engineering uh, tools when, when legalization occurs is to work with companies like us that have, that have the listing that could very well be undervalued currently and build something that's unique and integrate it across the entire state to become uh, that entity that gets the attention of everybody. I'm gonna leave the last question to you because look, we've, I think we've gone through a pretty thorough review of the fact that you've got these three verticals. They're all performing well. That's showing up on the financials, right? That's, this isn't just Matt, we would expect, you know, what would be expect out of the chairman? We'd expect to be optimistic, idealistic, and so on and so forth. That's what most small companies are. But the fact of the matter is you guys put up 50 mil so far in the first three quarters, you're expecting 63. And then for 2021, you're expecting a bunch of 72 million revenue with, uh, with, with great EBITDA growth. And, and I'm not even sure if that includes potential M&A or if that's just, that's just straight organic from that point. Yep. Last, so last, so you've, we touched on, we've touched on it all. What people, what people need to know. Last word to you, what is the people don't know or what do, what do you think we should end off with here? Um, people, I, you know, it's hard for me to say one thing specifically, but I think that uh, one great thing that Harborside has uh, in, its, um, in, our, in our core is the fact that we've been around for so long. Um, it is a tried and true California brand, in particular in North, North, Northern California. Um, and people recognize the, the, the name and, and their logo um, and the success we've had for a long period of time. We've, we've now professionalized the business. We've made it less about cannabis, more about, you know, making money. And um, while staying true to our, you know, the core values of making sure the customers are always right, the customers are always first, the product is always world-class, 
Um, but it's it's a different feel about it now. And I think uh, investors will, will hopefully get rewarded by that. Well, I think they've been rewarded since you guys kind of took over the show because the reason I'm looking over is I got a big screen with uh, with the company's chart. And when you guys kind of took over and, and everything is around 80 cents. And today, as we speak this very second, you're $2.65. So I think that's a pretty good reward so far. But at a $57 million market cap, and I don't want to talk about, so make sure everyone home, this isn't financial advice. We're not to, but at a 50, you know, call a $55 million market cap when you're when you're gonna break. $60 million in revenue seems to me there's a lot of room to grow just on the multiple. And then there's also the additional growth going forward. So Matt, you know, we're looking, we're looking forward to having you back on in the near future, or as soon as your, your hunt for a CEO is done uh, and, and you get him or her on board uh, looking forward to have them on the show because you're an exciting company. And I can't wait to see what happens at Harborside, not this year, not next year, but the next five years. I think it's going to be an amazing story to follow and we're privileged to have you on at this early stage. Awesome. Thanks, George. Appreciate your time. For everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, to Matt Hawkins. He's chairman of Harborside, trades on the CSE, under the stock symbol HBOR for our friends in the US, HBORF. It's up to you to start doing your due diligence. Two ways to do that. First, Get over to Gorecom, get to the Harborside Hub. The profile section there has everything you need to know about what we spoke about and more. Neatly lays it out, neatly lays it out for you, nicely structured, understandable. And then from there, link over to the Harborside, uh, Harborside site. Make sure you do your diligence because I think it's an exciting company. They got the numbers to back it up. It's up to you to do your diligence. Just don't say we didn't tell you so. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time.